0: Welcome to season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide.
1: Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script!
0: Okay, here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Hey, welcome everybody into another episode of I'm Not Targeting, Your Targeting. I'm half of your host team, Jason Tiffin, along with Tom Sims. Tom, did you have a Merry Christmas?
1: I did have a Merry Christmas. It was a beautiful, beautiful Christmas with beautiful, beautiful people. And I must have, I must mention that I probably got one of the best gifts I ever got from uh, my co-host here. JT he sent me a signed bowling pin.
0: <laughs> Walter,
1: it was awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, man, I I you know what? I woke up late. I didn't have the the girls came to me uh, after you know they woke up with their mom, so I, they didn't come to me till about eleven thirty, and we're way past uh, you know Santa Claus. So just I didn't even get I, my presents were out, but I didn't even put them out till till uh, Sunday morning about I'm t- not Sunday but Christmas morning about ten. And um, I I had I slept in, and then I got the text. From you and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I meant to," you know, I meant to kind of call you and and maybe even FaceTime when you open it up. But I'm I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I have had that in my head for uh for well, I tell you when, it was last it was January when we beat Ohio State in the national championship game because I remember seeing the bowling pin. I'm like, that is so cool, and that kind of. Got me on my kick of asking for signed pictures of of David Hasselhoff, which I'm up to <laughs> two now, if you didn't know that, did I tell you that? you sent me the other picture. Yeah, the graduate awesome. the graduate in Nashville accommodated my request, too, and I'm staying at the Lux in Arlington. Uh, this week, and I, I think I asked for it there, and we'll, I'm anxious to see if they do it. I'm going to start framing them and putting the date in the hotel, because it's really cool. But uh, anyway, Tom's got a, quickly, Tom's got a bowling pin. He's got the coolest man cave. I mean, my man cave's cool. I have a pinball machine, a Galaga Miss Pac-Man machine, an air hockey machine. I but, have none of that. And I've got two TVs. Tom has three TVs, but he's got the coolest, because he's got these old lockers with like his jersey hung up. And all his liquor in the lockers, <clears throat> and also a bowling pin signed by Roy Munson And of course, you know, signed is in air quotes there. So I got him a. a you need to tweet it out on that Twitter machine. I got him a, one from Walter Sobchak, of course, the famous bowler from the Big Lebowski. And I, I thought he would like that. And Tom, I market already zero, held, dude, <clears throat> over the over the line. There are ru- <laughs> This is not nom. There are rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually
1: go. looking over there at it right now i got it over, sitting beside my Roy Munson pen, so they're both cohabitating Lebowski. the locker
0: we could quote Lebowski <laughs> for at least a podcast if not a podcast and a half a- yeah.
1: except for we'd have to uh, put double explicit on the podcast because yeah. <laughs> it still holds the record for the most F-bombs
0: in a movie I think uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great flick if you can get past the profanity Yeah, they, mm. they redid it on network TV and it lasted two and a half minutes
1: <laughs> spoiler alert I can get past it <laughs> yeah, you got, gonna pay a hundred
0: bucks to watch <laughs> oh anyway anyway so uh, yeah Merry Christmas here as well we everybody got everything they wanted I believe I had a big mess up on shoes and uh, that's another conversation for another podcast but let's jump into football and by the way you have you have uh this episode episode 3-12 the playoffs I think we're around 20 now Oh, so. that
1: should have been 21
0: Sorry. okay yeah dyslexia at its finest all right <clears throat> so the commentary tonight is of course we're in the heart of bowl season and we've gotten bowls canceled left and right and there's some people that are afraid and the only reason I'm not because I've got insider information Tom but there are people that are worried, like, well, man, you know, so you know, Miami canceled because of COVID, and COVID's running rampant. and what, you know, do you think the, you think the playoffs going to play? Dude, the playoffs are going to happen, okay? I was told, this is about fourth-hand information, but they have basically told the players, unless you're about to die, you do not tell us you have symptoms, because the um, um, Omicron, as our president called it, the, the Omicron virus, is much milder it appears and I mean we're dealing with 18 to 22 year old healthy young adults so really we should have no issues in this but trust me when I tell you Cincinnati is going to have zero impact players out unless the guy is on his deathbed same for Bama same for Michigan same for Georgia so don't worry about that I'm trying to put your mind at ease but currently the SEC is 0-2-1 in bowl action, and you might be thinking, 0-2-1, there's no ties. Well, I'm not going to count it a loss. I'm going to count it a chicken shit move from one Jimbo Fisher. A&M, they got a couple of cases of COVID, and they COVIDed out, and here's the reason why. The dude's got four losses. He's 8-4, and four, okay? But what did he do this year? He beat Bama. So that is a chip in his purse, if you will and not only that so early signing period he has had the number one class or the number two class depending on which service you use but the dude signed some legit studs and there's some more people hanging out there that he very well might sign that will if he's if he is number two in one service that will probably vault him in a number one and so he's riding that wave man and i i don't blame him to Part of me doesn't blame him. You know, he was gonna have to start a a, a walk-on quarterback, and that's why he coveted out. You know, don't give me don't give me that crap about oh he, oh he wanted to play. No, he did not want to play. If he wanted to play, he would play. You've got eighty-five scholarship players. After you factor in your walk-ons and your non-scholarship other athletes, you you're you're sitting at one hundred to one hundred and ten players. I mean, you can get twenty five kids out with COVID. That's an entire signing class, and you can still play. You still would have 30 more kids than NFL plays with on, you know, every Sunday. So, but Florida lost to Central Florida. And, uh, you know, wonder who wanted that game more. You know, hint, wink, wink, it was not Florida. They don't care. And Missouri lost to Army. And, I mean, let's be honest. Is that really an upset? Army's 2-0 in World Wars. <laughs> I, I, I I don't find that uh, shocking at all. Now, I, the whole commentary, let me get – I've been beating around the bush and railing on Jimbo. Here's my point. 15, 20 years ago – I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, God, man, you know, Central Florida beat Florida, and then Missouri lost to Army? Like, that's not good. It doesn't matter anymore. The, the landscape has changed, and it, it kind of sucks. We were talking off the air about – it just hit Twitter within the last hour, I guess. Garrett Wilson, good re, one of the top-notch receivers from Ohio State, he's opting out of the Rose Bowl. And to the best of our recollection – He's never played in a Rose Bowl. I, I think he's a junior. So last year when he would have been a sophomore, he played – what? Where did, we played Dallas. We played in the Rose Bowl last year, but it was actually at Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. And then he played uh, – New, yeah, New Orleans in the Sugar Bowl. And then I think his first year, his freshman year, they played Clemson somewhere. It seems like it might have been – it was in the desert. I remember that. So the guys never played in the Rose Bowl, which is a great honor, and he's opting out. And you just have opt out after opt out. Five years ago, I was furious. Now it's just part of the game, and it just be interesting to see. Will you ever see a playoff guy opt out? Surely, to goodness, not. But it's I don't. I'm I'm not overly alarmed with Florida and Missouri getting the SEC kicked off to a a robust o and two o two and one. So. You know, let's let's don't fret right now. I think we're gonna be okay.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't like the opt outs. Like every other fan, I think I think no fan likes the opt outs. I think there's a majority of fans, including myself, who understand why they do it. They have a lot riding on. it. and not all of them have a lot writing on it, but 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 a lot of them do, and I understand that. But we do need to. That needs to be a point of emphasis, in my opinion, in college football to try to figure out ways to keep these players in the game, keep the interest of the fans, because that's what it amounts to. It amounts to the fans losing interest in the game. If the player leaves, that's fine. But your team doesn't play or doesn't play well or loses because of it, all of a sudden the bowl games, as you kind of alluded to, are a lot less important and it's not as prestigious to actually win that game or any particular bowl game. And I know they've been watered down so many times over the years, but like you said, like the Rose Bowl, has no playoff implications, but these guys are are looking at this game and and not not taking it as a chipping the purse for the win, you know, so – you've got to do something and I don't know exactly what the answer is the answer may be with the new NIL stuff it may be that the Rose Bowl committee gets together and goes okay the winning team is going to be a Rose Bowl sponsored you know team next year and they're gonna get some sort of stopping for it you know for for ongoing commercial or, or whatever yeah m- however they m- must, play. must play
0: must play in the game to receive said stopping
1: that's right and they and there's a lot of money exchanging hands there and that would give give me pause if it meant a thousand bucks a month next year or whatever you know and that's I mean that's well within a, a Rose Bowl committees I mean you got a hundred players at a thousand bucks a month I mean what is that? A million something? <laughs> but
0: something. It is yeah. it's a lot of money, but, yeah, I know. I mean, look at ticket prices and look yeah. at what that game, look at the TV revenue that game is going to make. So, that's, yeah, that's you're right. 100% right. It, it,
1: and, it, and it may not even be a thousand. I mean, it, when you've got other income coming in, that's just adding to it. Even $500 a month is, is a, a significant dollar amount for a college student who is – or possibly has no other income coming in, but they have everything else paid for, for the most part. So that's you know that's significant, and I don't know if that's the answer or not, but I think we have to do something. And I think the, the A number one thing that will change a lot of this landscape is expansion of the playoffs. That will automatically draw in likely 12 uh, games, 24 teams, that right off the bat, there will be no lost interest there. You know, currently, there's four teams, so you're you do that, and you've you've made six times as many fan bases happy. And so you think it's going to be fully A 24-team playoff? No. Oh, I meant, I meant. <laughs>
0: 12. I'm sorry. I thought you did. I just want to make sure. I mean, Yeah, we've already in, my, in my head this.
1: I was thinking 12 games instead of 12 teams. I meant
0: 12 teams. On yeah. this very podcast, we have, we have told you that the sweet spot is 11.
1: That was 11 before the Big 12 imploded.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right.
1: Because before the Big 12 imploded, it was perfect with five uh, five conference champions and then the six at large. Now I think you go back to four conference champions because you want to give them buys. That's, that's the way that you prevent them from laying down at the end of the season. You must win that conference to get a buy. Yeah. Yeah and then and then now now you need the extra game to make it even since cuz i don't think you include the big 12 now with their current lineup of teams as an auto bid uh, league so no, I, th- no, I think you go eight, but but anyway nonetheless yeah I, uh, I i agree with you though also that a&m purposely absolutely withdrew from that Uh, Bowl game, and I I think there are several other teams that have probably done similar things. I don't know that that's happened in all cases, particularly for schools like, what, what was some of the smaller schools, East Carolina or something. Those guys need that money.
0: Now, yeah, I yeah. I
1: don't know if they're guaranteed money if they didn't play. I wouldn't think so. I mean, I I think that whole bowl thing is just a big money suck if they don't actually play in the game. So, I can't imagine them still getting paid for that. But uh, I would think those are legitimate cases uh, for a school that really needed the money. But for like Texas A&M, like you said, those are those are uh, optional testing, only testing if you have symptoms. Uh, and and even there symptoms the way i understand it, it's pretty vague as far as what consists of covid symptoms you know those symptoms can be anything across the board so unless you really think that you have actual covid there's no reason to get tested no and no, even then really. if you're not feeling like you said terrible i'd keep it in my pocket so Anyway, I don't don't know. The system needs an overhaul. There's a lot to talk about in the offseason as far as commissioners and NCAA and that sort of thing. But I have no faith that they'll fix anything. But at least it'll be talked about.
0: Yeah, so, you know, we're just quickly at the – you know, the commentary was basically about the opt-outs. So this is going to tie in with it to me all right. so you have 12 teams so you have the first four games so after the first four games you're down to eight teams and so that's four more games so you're kind of, we're kind of thinking that we go we use the bowls you know the big bowl games so then after the the first round of bowl, so you get eight teams left so four games after that you've got four teams left you got two games so let's just say you incorporate the the big the new year's six bowls then that, you know, rose is included every year. Orange, sugar, peach, cotton, and what am I missing? Orange sugar. Fiesta. Uh, Fiesta, thank you. So you include those bowls. They're happy. Yep. And then the the championship game can still be bit out if, if it, they want to keep it that way. You know, it's at Indianapolis this year. It was in Santa Clara when we, we – uh, the, the massacre at Santa Clara when <laughs> Bama got beat by Clemson. Non-traditional college football sites. So to me – if you're the Sun Bowl, if you're the Birmingham Bowl, which we'll talk about shortly, I think what you do is before you extend an invitation, you talk to the team and you're like, look, coach, I need to know how many opt-outs you're going to have. Like, we're not, you know, we're not going to invite you unless you have, uh, you know, 95% of your team is going to participate or whatever. They can, The bowls can start putting the squeeze on people too, in my opinion.
1: Sure. You know, and and they need to think about, hey, uh, we've got, if the playoff gets expanded to 12, like we think it will, like we're lobbying for, why not have a 16-team NIT tournament? It'd be the same maximum number of games as the top-tier schools, so don't give me the crap about too many games. You know, you've, you're allowing one set of schools to play that many games. You might as well allow somebody else to play it, so you could have an NIT tournament that consists of, You know, 16 more teams, and that would almost again guarantee full participation.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you would, uh, you could battle for 13th place. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so if we've learned anything, opt outs, bad. We don't like them, but they're here to stay, unfortunately. So the next topic before we get into the Orange Bowl preview, because we're going to, I figure we'll talk extensively about that. I pulled another Tom this time. I have a huge, chart of rush o rush d i wish I'm sure, i could see it yeah well and that's the thing i when i was doing it we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute but quickly i guess while i was doing it i'm like you know this is making a lot of sense in my head but when you're when you don't have it in front of you following along you'll get lost so i'm gonna try to condense it into what i really want to hit home on but bowls of note, and you told me before before we went on air that just to ask you about your bowls of note. So I assume you have zero. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> yeah, that 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 uh, folds into my opt out <laughs> rant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only ones I wanted to see get canceled. <laughs> well, Tom, I'm going to cover a bowl game that we all in the state cannot wait to see. It's a big noon. It's a big noon kickoff tomorrow, Tom. If you're in the East Time Zone, Eastern Time Zone. Wait a minute.
1: Did you change it up on me again? Last uh, last well, time I, you last time you wanted to talk about games that had already been played, so uh, and I came prepared to put, talk about future games, <laughs> and so you put the same note on there. So I just assume you again wanted to talk about games that have already been played. <laughs> well, so I didn't sorry. look at anything, and now you're going
0: future on me. <laughs> I'm going future Tom here. Yes, we're going to go future, which I'm sure you can think of some quick one zingers to to bash Auburn, but. It's the big noon kickoff tomorrow, Tom, if you're in the Eastern time zone. It is the Birmingham Bowl. It is the Auburn War Eagles versus the Houston Cougars. And Auburn's had a few opt-outs. I don't think they've had as many as as other teams. I think Auburn should win even with their opt-outs. They've had a few but not near as many teams. And really just hats off to them for even playing. I mean, they could easily COVID out. And that's what the irritating thing is. I didn't talk about in the commentary. These teams that are coveting out now, they've already got their practice time in. It's so unfair to the players because, yeah, I know you don't necessarily want to go to the Gasparilla Bowl or the Texas Bowl or the Birmingham Bowl, but I mean, the players get the free swag bags, and you get to like Auburn, and you can make fun all you want, and we will make fun as much as we can. But, you know, they went to Vestavia Bowl two nights ago. And then top Golf last night. And, yeah, it's, it's funny because we grew up going to those places or living around those places. But let's be honest, man. Bowling's fun. Top Golf is fun. So the coaches got exactly what they wanted out of the bowl game. They got practice time. And now the players are screwed just, you know, sitting at home or whatever. But I, I saw Smoke Monday. He's playing. So, you know, good for him. Hats off to anybody who wants to play. But – I, I don't know what Houston – Houston is – they've got a good record, but who have they beaten? You know, they lost to Cincinnati and they lost to Texas Tech and everybody else they have beaten is group of five, which who really respects a group of five? And I, I expect Harson to come out and win one. Missouri and Florida. Yeah. <laughs> We've already talked about that. doesn't count, Tom. They weren't, they weren't motivated. <laughs> but uh, I, I think after getting their heart ripped out in the Iron Bowl – Elron uh, Harson is is back. Going to catch his groove. He's going to break that four game losing streak, and I look for Auburn to win this one to the tune of, I'm going to say thirty one to twenty.
1: I am also on the side of Auburn winning this game. Uh, I think they will out muscle them on both sides of the ball. And a uh, very, very similar type of outcome, I think. I think they win and cover. It'd be hard to win and not cover such a small line, but they will win and cover in this one. And they have the also the uh, unranked-over-ranked team going for them on a neutral site. So I, yeah, say, I If you want to call
0: Alabama a neutral site. but Yeah, I saw that. They're, what, Houston's 20th, I believe? Something like that, yep. Yeah, yeah, so... A big big game for the War Eagles. Like I said, big noon kickoff. Be sure to catch it tomorrow. So let's get into the Orange Bowl preview, and I think we can maybe just, if my internet will hold up, maybe we can just talk back and forth about this. But I did see on Twitter, and this was official. I'm pretty sure it's official. Uh, Pete Golding was talking about it. Jalen Armour Davis. You know, I don't know if we mentioned it last week in the podcast or not, but, you know, both our starting cornerbacks were out as of yep. this time last week. You know, Josh Job was out, and Jalen Armour Davis. So apparently, Jalen Armour Davis is going to be back. Golding said he's glad to have him back, so I take that man at his word. So that that's good. That's huge because he was playing as good, if not better, than Job. And we've got some young talent that can step in. But that's going to be that's going to be key to get some experience in the defensive backfield. So my chart, like I said, I've done some charts here and on on some different teams and. Ultimately, I guess spoiler alert here, like we talked about in the NFL, you know, if you're – there's 32 NFL teams. They're all made up of professionals. So, if you're 15th in passing in the NFL, you're 15th in passing. If you're first in defense, you're first in defense. You know, Cincinnati did not play anywhere near the schedule that Alabama played. So, when I say that their rushing offense is 47th, Okay, and Bama's is 80th. That is a disturbing number, but look who we played. Look who they played. You know, when I tell you that their pass offense is 53rd, that's really not that good. And because look who they played, our passing offense is 7th. So there's some concerning numbers in here as we'll get to. But the first stat I want to look at was rushing offense versus rushing defense to their opponents. So I looked at the top three teams for each team. For each Cincinnati and Alabama the top rushing defense that Cincinnati played was number 11 Houston and that was in the the championship weekend and they went for 28 carries for 210 yards that is a 7.5 yard average so that's very good however i dug deeper and Jerome Ford who used to play at Alabama he had a 79 yard run okay so that is a chunk of that 210 heck that is that's a third of the total yardage in one run now you got it's a slippery slope because the run did happen I'm not sure if it was a busted play regardless you know that did account help with the 210 total yards but let's just take that run away they went for 27 for 131 still a good average at 4.8 but that that really skews in stats Tom we would call that an outlier that, mm. that 70 79 yard run. But – and then, of course, they played Notre Dame, who was 30th in rush D, and, you know, adequate numbers there. But the one that really stuck out to me was Navy. Navy is 35th in rush defense, and Cincinnati went 21 carries for 95 yards, 4.5-yard average, very respectable average. However, they, again, broke a 43-yard run. So, you take that away, they were 20 for 52, which is 2.6. So, their rush offense – I just don't see them being able to run the ball consistently against our defensive front.
1: I think that's reasonable to say, Uh, and and I agree with you on the caliber of competition that they played versus us. By by comparison, Alabama has the fourth-ranked strength of schedule in the country, and Cincinnati has the 90th ranked that's nine zero strength of schedule so de- definitely a skew and a bias to any total rankings you would get uh i do agree that i think they would have a little bit of a uh, a different challenge let's say that running the ball against our defense now we'll tell you this to to kind of piggyback on what you were saying i looked up beforehand to see what what size boys the Cincinnati got on the on the offensive line. You know how how big, how big a boy, a boy are, are you? you? That's right. <laughs> uh, they are very comparable. Very comparable. From left tackle to right tackle, 311, 315, 310, 326, 305, smallest cat 305 at right tackle uh comparatively we're at 350 305 300 324 339 now i know we we shuffle a little bit there so that those those weights may be a little bit different but uh all all players above 300 for both squads and uh, and and not really an appreciable size difference, except for Evan Neal, who is a monster compared to everybody else yes. out there. I mean, you, you know, everybody's above three three hundred, but he's got roughly forty to forty five pounds on every other lineman they have. Not that they'll be going head to head, but that that is a, a a definite size advantage there at left tackle. Um. So so yeah your your point your point is taken for sure uh, we we need to do a good job on, on run defense for sure absolutely i mean drum forward I, mean, I i talked about this i think last week a little bit we didn't preview the game but but i mentioned that they had uh three draft eligible guys coming up on the big board a cornerback, quarterback, and an edge rusher. You know, Jerome Ford apparently will be – they have him projected as a third-round pick next year, not this year. Apparently he needs another year to develop. He's plenty old enough. But point being, Jerome Ford is an Alabama-quality player. Heck, he was on our team.
0: Yeah, he was.
1: So uh, to to discount him as not being – a capable running back would be a disservice. Uh, we thought he was capable. We had him in here. And, and, and as far as I know, we didn't want him to leave. I, I think he saw the writing on the wall about how crowded the backfield was. But uh, but we, we felt like he was a good running back. So, you know, it, it's, it's a, it'll, it'll be a task ahead of us. It'll be a task for them to block our defense. But uh, – I agree. I think they'll see something this game that they hadn't seen before.
0: Yeah. And I I went ahead and broke down, like I said, the top three games for Cincinnati, the top three games for Alabama. So, Alabama, when we look at our rushing offense, which has not been stellar this year, versus the rushing defense, our top three games, as far as the stats are concerned, Georgia was number three in rush defensive rank. Mississippi State was 10. Auburn was 33. That was our top three. So, Georgia, we actually we average four point four per per carry, and we only our our outlier, our longest run was fifteen. So that's definitely within a plus or minus one standard deviation away from the mean. Wouldn't you? Would you concur? I probably should concur
1: there because I get in trouble a lot when I should have concurred and I don't. But the. Russian game we put together against Georgia. I know I know that's not what you were asking me to do, but I want to I need China to know if you here. concur
0: with the standard deviation, Tom.
1: The Russian game that we put together <laughs> versus Georgia. Uh, we said after the game was very timely and efficient and we were very proud to have it, but I think we only had what 75 yards in that game.
0: Uh, we had 115, 26 for 115, 4.4 average.
1: Uh let let me Take out Bryce Run, Young's yeah. rushing yards. Yeah, we got had you. about seventy-five running backs, but but yeah, point stands. And yeah, go ahead, put me down for a concurrence. All right,
0: good. What well, Mississippi State? We averaged four point seven. We we carried the ball forty-one times against Mississippi State for one ninety-five. That was a very high number to carry the ball, and of course the Auburn one is is whew, make you vomit 31, 37 carries for seventy-one yards, one point nine average, and we had a long of thirty-seven. So, really, it was 36 carries for, what, 39 yards? It was bad. Uh, But, you know, Bryce got sacked seven times that game, if you hadn't heard from Auburn fans on Twitter. (laughs) So, that was a lot lot of yardage lost. But still, we did not run the ball well against Auburn. So, that, you know, when I started breaking these down, it got concerning because Cincinnati's numbers are not that far off from us. I think the next thing I looked at was – Okay, let's look at rushing offense versus the defense they played. And so we're looking at the team that, that their opponent's rushing offense versus the Cincinnati defense. We're looking at Alabama's opponent's rushing offense versus Bama's defense. And this one, the numbers are better. And I, so I, I'd want to dig pretty deep, but I'm like, well, let's, let's look at what we've always talked about. I've always heard this talked about on, on talk radio. And, and podcast is well okay you know like right now I'm watching the Saints and the in the Dolphins and okay the Saints average five yards a carry you know let's see what the Dolphins hold them to on yards per carry because if you give up four yards a carry that's not good but if you give up four yards a carry to a team that's averaging five yards a carry that's good because you've held them to one a full yard under their average So, I want to look at the difference. So, of course, Navy is the eighth rushing offense in the country. No surprise there. They carried the ball uh, 67 times versus Cincinnati. (laughs) And for a 2.9, they had 192 yards, 2.9 average. Okay, now follow me here. So, Navy, for the season, averaged 3.9 yards per carry. So, that's, you know, hats off to Cincinnati. They held them to 1.0 yards per carry less than they were used to getting. Central Florida. Was the next best rushing team? They were 28th in the country, and uh, Cincinnati held them to 1.1 yards below their average. At four, they uh, they averaged 4.2. They averaged 5.3 for the season. So a good, Gus Malzahn running game down there apparently. And then the last team was Tulane, and you know Tulane came very close to upsetting Oklahoma in week one, and. This one is the concerning one though if you're Cincinnati because Tulane only had the 61st best rushing offense and they only held them to 4.2 yards of carry or Tulane for the season only averaged 4.4 so minus 0.2 yards per carry difference. Now the in the positive for Cincinnati, they did help the top three opponents they held under their average on all in all three games. but let's look at Bama's numbers. Bama's rushing offense, the best rushing offense Bama played was number nine, Ole Miss, number 12, Arkansas, and number 19, Tennessee. We held Ole Miss to 2.7 yards less per carry than they were used to on the year. Arkansas, 2.3 less yards per carry, and Tennessee, 2.5 yards less per carry. I hope people that are listening are following that. Did I speak clearly enough on that?
1: Yes. I mean – I followed it perfectly. Okay.
0: So, you know, that that is a big, big difference right there for Alabama. First off, we played 9, 12, and 19 rushing offenses. You know, the best offense that – and if I'm not mistaken, I looked. I think every – I think Ole Miss was the top rushing offense that was not a a um, – a, a, I'm sorry, the door just opened up. I think my children are here. Uh, I like think if I'm not mistaken – Ole Miss at number nine was the first traditional offense that that didn't run like a triple option or some kind of wing T offense. You know, Navy, you know, Air Force was number one, triple option. And then Army was up there high. And Navy's up there high. So, you know, we we played 9, 12, and 19. Very respectable rushing offenses that held them to 2.7, 2.3, and 2.5 yards less than their average respectively. So – I think that is definitely a checkmark in our column there on on our rush defense.
1: Uh, I agree. I think our rush defense is a a good key to this game, and we should we should play at a level that should hold them less than what they're accustomed to getting. Uh, I mentioned their offensive line is comparable in size, but they do not have a lot of draft caliber players on that offensive line. And don't get me in the weeds about what constitutes a good tackle and guard and that sort of thing. These guys are undefeated. They're in the playoffs. The, the offensive line can play. But they have not faced a defensive line, defensive front seven, the caliber of this alabama team i mean that's just i mean i'm not shaking the bushes and 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 saying anything that's uh you know big news breaking news anywhere that's just a a fact of the game uh so we 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 need to play well uh we need to hold drome forward in check but we'll i think the key to what i just said is is accurate we have to play well to do that I, this is, this is not a team in my opinion. It's easy to overlook a play, and I know I know you've disparaged the Bearcat squad every chance you can get because <laughs> you didn't want them in the playoffs. And I agree. I think there are better teams that should be in the playoffs, but there's probably not ten better teams. And so, if you're going to play a top fifteen team in the country. In a game at a neutral site where everything's on the line, you're going to have to come play ball. That's just Absolutely. all there is to it. And uh, I th- I think that's that's a uh, very good points, particularly on how well we've done against rush defenses. And I'll tell you another thing that I saw, and I didn't I didn't sort of make notes of all these stats. I just remember looking through them. Uh, when I was looking at the teams that Alabama played that were significantly high in rush defense, like they played teams that were good against the run, Georgia being one of them, the teams that we struggled with through, uh, you know, in the in the normal course of the year, as far as uh, having closer than we would like final scores, your Auburns, your LSUs, your Tennessees, those teams all were in the top 50 of rush defenses.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, you, you you tend to think that we throw the ball over the field, and we do, but particularly during the season when I was complaining week in and week out, we we ran the ball a lot in situations where, in my opinion, we should have been throwing the ball. We didn't do that against Georgia. Uh, but if you wanna if you wanna go back and, and say we're gonna try to run a balanced attack or an attack like we did for most of the season until we got the SEC championship game, we struggled against teams that could stop the run. We did. Lucky for us, Cincinnati's not in top fifty in the rush defense. Uh, surprising. But I've
0: actually found them at forty-five, Tom, or, or
1: maybe they were toward the bottom <laughs> of it. They were they were lower than what we were thinking. I know. I mean, they're number one in pass efficiency defense against the pass. So I knew that they were pulled down by some for the rushing. But yeah, oh, I actually had them at forty-seven. I just found. them. So
0: I way. think we're I think we're looking at different sites because I've got them at two on pass D and and like forty-five. So but we're close. You know, yeah, whatever site yeah. you're looking at, whatever site I'm looking at, it's potato patata. Potato's not even a word. Six one half dozen the other. <laughs> I could keep going. I would like to see how <laughs> many you could do. <laughs> uh, I think I think I've spent right there. <laughs> uh, but are you finished up? Because I have one more great stat line here. Oh no, I have a lot. I'm just picking bait on it. what you said. Go for it.
1: Well, and I was I was finished with that particular portion of it. So well, now, now you're talking you out of both
0: sides one. of your mouth.
1: I mean, I can run with it if you want. <laughs> no, all right, let's move on. I can to get, get you a
0: toe. You want to? <laughs> I get you. One by, I get you. two thirty with nail polish. <laughs> one of my favorite ones, by the way. Me and Eli say it all the time at work. So, and I'm glad you you mentioned something that really. I'm glad you mentioned because it it kind of jogged my my brain into what I wanted to say here. You know, like you said, well, well, Cincinnati's offensive line was well, you know they match up almost equivalent to Alabama's offensive line, but that's the thing people need to realize, well, that's great that, you know, we can have the number one offensive line in the country and they can have the number two offensive line in the country. The thing is, those two, they'll they'll never be on the field at the same time. You've got to look at how does Bama's offensive line match up against Cincinnati's defensive line and vice versa. And here's where some some of the numbers kind of go in our favor, I believe. So I looked at rush offense versus rush defense, and, man, Bear Bryant and Gene Stallings, they are not happy with our rush offense this year. The side I use has us as 80th on rush offense. Sounds about right. I'm sure the Auburn game, I mean, honestly, that Auburn game probably took us down five spots. Easy. Ten, I don't know. But the good thing is we're 80th in rushing offense. Okay, when you look at rushing defense for Cincinnati, they're 45th. So, you know, it's one of those things – once you get past the top you know 200 players in recruiting, like how much better is number 201 than number 325? You know hey he might be he might be 124 spots better, but there's a real good chance that he's not. you know that, that number 325 or even number 450 were out, outperformed 201. So I'm not too worried about the 80 offense versus the 45 defense in rushing. Cincinnati needs to be worried about this, though. Cincinnati's rushing offense is forty seventh. Bama's rushing defense is fourth. Mm-hmm. Fourth, Tom. So I really feel like that goes in our favor. Now I looked at the passing offense. Now these numbers are are exact. Like it's it's a strength versus strength, and then mediocre versus mediocre. Bama's pass offense is offense is seventh in the country. Uh, Cincinnati's pass defense, according to my side, is second. According to your side, is first. Needless to say, they're high up there, and they've got two good defensive backs. I know one of them's name's Kobe Bryant. And that's a very easy one to remember. And we'll talk about something I heard on uh, the show pony today on the radio show I was listening to that I think really is going to determine the outcome of the game. So Bama pass O seventh in the country. Cincinnati pass D second in the country. So, strength versus strength, okay. Cincinnati's pass offense, 53. Bama's pass defense, 62. Again, negligible difference there, only nine spots difference. I don't see that being a huge benefit or liability for either team. You know, I've stated like Jalen Armour Davis coming back. And that's a funny thing, too. You know, Tom, this time last week we were under the impression that we were going to be without our two starting corners. Vegas was under the impression that we were gonna be without our two starting corners, and the line stayed around 13 and a half. Mm -hmm. So it's not concerning to us. Now, it would be concerning, and it is gonna be concerning against Georgia or Michigan, even though neither one of those teams lighted up passing, but you do want players that's played, you know, 250 snaps out there instead of, you know, players that have played 75 snaps. It just stands to reason. So I, I think the, the biggest the biggest number, so then I looked at the last thing I looked at on this, and then I'll flip the page, is total offense versus total defense. So uh, Bama's total offense were sixth in the country. Cincinnati's total defense, again, be going up against our offense, they're seventh. So that's strength versus strength. Okay, Bama's total defense is eighth. So we're only one spot lesser than, than Cincinnati. And again, look at the competition we played, which I'll talk about on the, on the next segment. Uh, Cincinnati's total offense, 45th. So one of those numbers doesn't belong. We have a 6, a 7, and an 8, and a 45. So their offense, their 45th best offense in the country is going to be going against the 8th best defense. I like our chances.
1: Yeah, uh, there is a concerning thing here for sure, which is the pass efficiency defense of Cincinnati. And you mentioned it, Kobe Bryant. He is one of the cornerbacks. He is not the one that's on Mel Kuyper's big draft board coming up. The other cornerback, Gardner, is number 26, a first-rounder on that draft board. But guess what? Kobe Bryant won the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in the country. So those are two premier cornerbacks they have playing for them. So that's that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And they have a edge rusher that is projected a second-round pick in the upcoming NFL draft. So they've got a guy who can rush our offensive line, which as of lately, depending on schemes, take out the Georgia game. We had a hard time protecting, keeping people off of Bryce Young the last couple games, LSU and Auburn in particular. Uh, So they're going to bring some edge rushers, and they've got two what you might consider lockdown corners uh so that that's we're, we're gonna have to do a good job there we're gonna have to scheme versus them well and i think you've already kind of touched on it when we were rolling through there i think we need to run the ball effectively against cincinnati as good as their corners are i'm not saying that we don't have horse horses too that we can't put up there and make some plays and 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 go get the ball or get open when we need to but just take advantage of what they give you and if that's running the ball all day with Brian Robinson, you do it. Uh you, you, you just you stick it in there and you do it. Um one thing that we neglected to mention a while ago too about their passing game, their passing game is not highly ranked like you said. I forget what it was in the forties or what.
0: Yeah, forty fifth I believe.
1: But their quarterback is a projected late first, early second round quarterback in the NFL draft. He makes good decisions. That's that's the key. He makes good decisions with the football. He takes what you get. It. And if the season is any indication of what this game will give us, he's going to run it eight to ten times in this game. And so that's one of those things that doesn't show up on the stat sheet like you said when you have a cornerback that's out or you're playing somebody else that yeah they may not give up passes but how how well do they recognize the run play how well can they come up and stop a run when it's coming or are they coming up to stop a run and they get fooled and somebody's wide open behind them Uh, so that's where your experience comes in in the secondary not necessarily line up man-on-man man and see if somebody can beat you. You've got to be able to scheme the entire defense. You've got to be able to come in and run support, and you've got to be in the right position. If if our guys, if our dudes are in the correct position on offense and defense, huge advantage to us just based on pure athletic ability. But if you get out-schemed, for if you got some inexperience that shows up in a game like this, then... Yeah, you you could be in for a long day, for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, Maroney, our offensive line coach, Marone Maroney, however you pronounce it, and then Bill O'Brien, our offensive coordinator, they've been out due to COVID. They are doing stuff via Zoom through practice. Concern, uh, fret level 1 to 10, how how important is that, that they are not at practice,
1: Um, 10 being the worst? Yeah, I mean, luckily we had Pendry behind Marone uh, working with the offensive line, he is he he was the offensive line coach in years past, and now he he was basically a, a second option there. So I don't think that was overly concerning, particularly with the way uh, the technology is. If those guys needed to convey something, it's not like they were sitting at home and and not conversing with the staff or the players or you know they were on video conference or teleconference or whatever the whole time so and then they're going to be back to being on the field and you have a veteran like pintry stepping in on that offensive line so i don't think it's as concerning as it could have been if maybe they got it this week and we were out for the game you know just having them back is is going to be sort of a safety net for the guys that rely on them. So, as long as they're
0: there for the game, I think we're okay. And both are expected to be back. They're on track to be back. So, the last thing I want to cover, I looked at some ratings. And I looked at Sagarin ratings and strength of schedule ratings. So, let's go over Sagarin first. Bama's number one. Cincinnati's number six. So, very respectable for them. And, I don't, you know, if you want to dive into what Sagarin – what all they factor in, it's pretty extensive. But, you know, he is the respected name in college basketball for sure, along with Jerry Palm. So, uh, you know, football, he's very good. So, Bama won Cincinnati six, but I was like, well, let's see what I want to, because I went went to a website that had teams listed all, you know, one through 116, or how many ever D1 teams there are. All right, like I was saying, I looked at two ratings, the Sagarin and, and strength of schedule. Bama won Cincinnati six and Sagarin. So I wanted to look at exactly how many teams we have played. And we have played 10 of the top 50 teams, according to Sagarin. Miami, Florida included in that top top 50. So, you know, not just ACC competition. We had an ACC team slip in there as well. Cincinnati has played two of the top 50, Notre Dame and Houston. Now, granted, they've got a zero in the loss column. So I'm, they're going to be – I'm sure – I sure can't wait to hear them – Talk about how undefeated trumps one loss. We'll see, I guess, come you know about five days from now. But Sagarin is pretty respected, so that, that was interesting to see. But the strength of schedule, I think, really tells the tale. Bama at eight, Cincinnati at 78. That is very detrimental. Yes, they've won all their games, but again, who have they played? And to me – I'm about to give you my prediction, I'll let you give, give your prediction because, as we know, you're a master at splicing the mess-ups together, but my internet has been unreliable. Uh, my, my internet must have the, the COVID-19, if you will, Tom. Two keys for me is uh, offensive line for Alabama. Do we get the offensive line that showed up against Auburn? Do we get the offensive line that showed up against Georgia? If we get the offensive line against Auburn, we're in for a dog fight. We're in for four quarters of play. If we get the offensive line against Georgia, we put them away uh, first possession of the third quarter. And the next thing is depth. And like I said, I heard the show pony show today with Rick Neuheisel. And that's exactly what uh, the guy, I can't remember who was on there that was talking about. And he's like, you know, that, that, the cornerback the that you talked about, Sauce or something, was his first name? Sauce Crazy. Gardner. Sauce yep. Gardner. And then Kobe Bryant, he's like, yeah, they're, they're two they're two Sunday players. He said, but if one of them gets injured, you know, not put out of the game, let's just say he misses a few snaps. Like Who's coming in for them? Right, transpose that with what Bama. We're missing, we thought up until hours ago, we thought we were missing our top two cornerbacks and we weren't even worried because we have the depth. We've recruited at the level to where we don't have to have our starting eleven. You know, we can have our starting, our top 22, our top 27, 28, 30 players on each side of the ball, and we're going to be okay. Where Cincinnati absolutely has to have probably their top 14, 15 at the most. I mean, I would say they count on 15 players the majority of the game on both sides of the ball. So my prediction, all in all, Alabama 45, Cincinnati 20. Thanks for playing, Cincinnati. We only wish we could play Notre Dame.
1: All right, so let me rewind just a little bit here. If your if your internet will bear with me, uh, first thing, Sagarin ratings. I hate Sagarin ratings for for one reason and one reason only. I think I think they're a good tool. I I, I think computer rankings kind of take some of the bias out sometimes. But the one thing that I've never understood about Sagarin ratings, and this frustrates me to no end, is if two teams have the identical records, same same record. Same wins, same losses. Wouldn't it stand to reason that the higher-ranked team of the two would have a tougher strength of schedule? Yes, and that does not happen in Sagarin ratings all the time, and that's what frustrates me. Uh, you know, I'm like, how can you say that this team has the fifth-ranked strength of schedule and this one has the thirtieth? But you got the thirtieth team ahead of them. That that just
0: gets me to no end. Well, then Sagarin interrupt. Notre Dame is fifth, and Cincinnati sixth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, on that note too, before I go through what I, I'd like to say, before I give my prediction, on that note too, uh, ESPN's FPI metrics still has Georgia as the favorite to win the playoffs. So, here's a here's a. One other nugget for you before I get into this last little thing. No team has went back-to-back in the playoffs. We've been in the championship game back-to-back time, so is Clemson. But no team has went back-to-back titles. We, we, we are the only team in the country who has an opportunity to do that this year. I didn't know if you realized that. I, I do now that you mentioned it. Yeah, no problem. All right, so just a general question for you where what do you think offenses have have been in the last few years or let me make that a better question when do you think in your opinion all uh winning teams change from defensives win championships to offenses win championships
0: uh after the Jake Jake Coker the Jacob Coker title in 2015 I think it went offensive I think that's Absolutely spot on. Did you look at my notes? I did not, but I think we've discussed that too. That, you know, Jake Coker is the last service, just manager, game manager quarterback to win a national title. I mean, we've had Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Jalen Hurts, slash Tua Tunga You can make fun of it all you want, but both of them are starting in the NFL right now. And then, what, last year, Mac Jones, starter in NFL. And this year, out. you know, Heisman Trophy winner playing in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think I think 2015 is the is the the Mendoza line, if you will.
1: No, you're exactly right. And I was actually in the middle of the sentence of he crapped out again. But, no, you're back. So, yeah, hang in there with me. But you're exactly right. 2014, first playoff, Cardale Jones, 15, Jake Coker. And then after that, starting in 16, just like you said, a slew of – NFL quarterbacks, Watson yeah. Hurts, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Mac Jones, and, and good quarterbacks. All right, to that end, from 2016, that's the last five years, we have turned into an offensive mentality for the country, okay? So in those last five years, one national champion was ranked 29th. The other four were in the top four. Take a shot.
0: God. I have no
1: clue I said in the top four they were in the t- there was three in the top four one number 12 and then 129.
0: what do you what what when, when the 29th when when was that ranking like the first ranking to come out no no final offensive rank for the two. oh gotcha 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 okay 29th uh I'm gonna say uh Bama with Hertz. That's exactly right. Jalen Hurts, number 29. Alabama had the second-ranked
1: defense that year. So, number 29th is the lowest-ranked offensive production for a national champion in the last five years. Conversely, the lowest-ranked defensive team happened in back-to-back years that both LSU and Alabama both finished 32nd. Wow. So. With that being said, this year's ranks, Cincinnati is 47th in offense. That would be 18 spots lower than the lowest-ranked team to win it in the last five years. Defense, hey, they're number seven. They're well within that wheelhouse. And as a matter of oh, fact, yeah. all four teams in the playoffs, 2, 7, 8, and 12, all four have the defenses to win a national championship, all of them. Offensively, Alabama's at 6, Michigan's at 18, Georgia's at 26, and Cincinnati is at 47th. And that is still accounting for their 90th ranked strength of schedule. So, all that being said, I I agree. I think this is a game we should win. We don't have to play the Georgia game, but we need to play well. Cincinnati I've went over it they have they have players they just do point blank they've got players I think if you're going to wager on this game take Cincinnati in the first half I think that's I think that's legitimate but I do agree with you I think that depth starts to take over in the second half and particularly the running game. I think we run the ball well in this game, and I think we try to purposely establish that run in this game. Um, I'm not saying Bryce Young's going to have a poor game. I think he's going to get his, but I think we need to take that opportunity to exploit which is probably one of the lesser run defenses we will see in the playoffs if we can advance. Well, by far the, the, the least run defense. So... I've got a final of almost the same score for Cincinnati. You had them scoring 20. I had them scoring 21. I got us right on the number with 34,
0: 34 to 21. I'll take it. I'll take it all day long. Surviving in advance. Exactly. Concerning stat, close before the close. Uh, concerning stat, if you're an Alabama fan, we are 0-1 in the semifinals versus teams from Ohio. We're 5-0 against teams from any other state in the union. That is concerning. <laughs> well, Tom, uh, I think my internet needs to last about 30 more seconds and we can get out of here. Remember, especially with the big dude kickoff tomorrow, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. See you in Dallas.
1: Let's do this, guys. Surviving at advance. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Have seen Junior's grades?